Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 17. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Some said, what does this seed picker, babbler, want to say and others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them jesus and the resurrection and they took him in verse 19 and they brought him to the areopagus saying may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak for you are bringing some strange things to our ears they said and therefore we want to know what things this means for the athenians in verse 21 and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else, check this out, but either to tell or to hear some new thing. You know, it sounds like daytime talk shows. <laughs> Reality television. And just when you think it got as weird as it possibly could get, guess what? It gets weirder. Amazing. So you want to notice in our text, Paul is in Athens. He's restless. And he was supposed to wait on the team to get there while Paul is in his hotel room (laughs) looking out the window. He sees the city of Athens and he looks out and he sees that the city, according to the scriptures, is given over to idols. Literally in the Greek language, it means that they were really under idol worship. Or they were swamped by idols. And when Paul is in his hotel room, he looks out, he sees all of these idols. He sees that the people are swamped by idols. It is said that at the time of this writing, when Paul was in Athens, that there were more than, listen, 30,000 statues or temples in Athens at the time. One Roman historian said, in Athens, it was easier to find a god than a man. There were gods everywhere. Paul could look out and see these gods. Gods, you know, it reminds me when I was in India. You know, I've been there a couple of times. And and, and remember remember when I came back on one of my trips and I showed you guys a picture of what I call an idol factory? You guys remember that? And, 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 and the thing that was most striking to me, I mean, we're, we're traveling down the road, we're in India, and uh, we're in Hyderabad, India, and, and we're traveling down the road, and, and I happen to see, it's a tent, when you talk about a factory there, you're talking about a tent, but they had these huge, larger-than-life statues of elephants, 10, 12, 15 feet high of elephants, and monkeys, I got a picture of, of, of some of the idol makers, and they were making their God, which is another sermon. You're making your God. 
and they're covered in plaster and you know and I took a picture if you remember I took a picture of one of the elephants and and inside these things are made of fiberglass and plastic and I took a picture inside because these huge gods these elephant big huge gods are are empty on the inside they're hollow And I immediately thought of what David said when he said the idols of the world, talking about the idols. He says that they have eyes, but they can't see, hands, but they can't feel, ears, but they can't hear, ears, but they can't hear, and and mouths, but they can't speak. He says, and they that make them are like unto them. And so I read this and Paul's looking out over Athens and he sees all of these gods. He sees 30,000 statutes in gods. And, 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 and idols everywhere. Gods are everywhere. Temples are everywhere. The chief god of Athens is Paulus Athenius, who stood with a sword in his hand. The god of Zeus and Neptune had massive pillars there. And many gods could be seen for miles. Notice the word therefore. I had you underline it in verse 17. The word therefore. Now listen, saints. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, help me out. When you see the word therefore, you want to find out what it's. Therefore, and the word therefore in our text, listen, it connects back to the previous thought. Paul saw the idolatry and he went to the synagogue and he tried to reason with the people. You see, it's one thing to see there's a problem and it's another thing to do something about it. Amen, saints. And Paul didn't say, hey, you know, what a shame. All these gods, you guys are you guys are idol worshipers. What a shame. Paul didn't do that. The Bible says he reasoned in the synagogue and then he went down to the Agora, to the marketplace. And when he got to the Agora, he ran into two groups of people. Number one, the Epicureans. Secondly, the Stoics. The Epicureans was founded by a Greek philosopher and his name was Epicurus and he lived around 300 BC. And basically the Epicureans taught that you should live life for yourself. The Epicureans were the first party animals. They live for the weekend. (laughs) Living life for yourself. Live it up, man. You only got one life to live. Live it. The Epicureans were into self. And then you had the Stoics. And the Stoics was founded by a man named Zeno, Z-E-N. And Zeno was a pantheist. Pantheists do not believe in one God. They believe in many gods. Pantheism teaches that God and creation are one. We are all one, they teach. I'm a part of God. You're a part of God. We're all a part of God. The trees, the flowers, the birds, the bees, the rocks. We're all a part of God, they teach. They believe that everything was God and God was in everything. And there was no distinction between God and his creation. They were fatalists. And they saw the highest aim in life was to endure pain was to endure life. And they taught pain will happen, so train yourself to endure it. Paul ran into the Epicureans and the Stoics. You know, I can't help but think of America. What philosophy do you think that we adhere to? Epicurean. Man, we are into self in this culture. Have you noticed? Go to the bookstore, sadly, go to the Christian bookstore. You can get books on your best self, which is just weird, y'all. Your best self, your best you, living the best life you can in Christian bookstores. We are into self 
in our culture. We're a very, very hedonistic society. Well, these guys ran into Paul. Paul ran into the Epicureans and the Stoics at the marketplace. And you want to notice, they said, what does this babbler have to say? The word babbler means seed picker. And it actually has the idea of someone who doesn't have original thinking. He just kind of picks up scraps and learning from here and learning from there. A little Plato, a little Socrates, a little Aristotle here. You put it all together and you try to spit out something. A seed picker. And they said he seems to be a proclaimer of false gods because he preached Jesus. And then they brought him to the Areopagus, which was where the brains of that day would go. It's kind of like the political epicenter, if you will. The Mars Hill, the Areopagus would be where the movers and shakers were, the log makers, the rulers were. And they took him to the Areopagus. And did you notice what they said? They said, may we know some new doctrine. Did you see that? Man, that, that reminds me a lot of folks in the church today now, doesn't it? Man, we're looking for so many new things. Some new thing. Some new doctrine. Some new emotional high. Unfortunately, in the church, there's a search for novelty seems to overshadow the search for reality. Well, look at verse 22 in chapter 17. Y'all still with me? Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things... You know, Paul's something else, y'all. Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very, very religious. And I'm sure they went, oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes, you see all of our gods. Oh, yes, 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 we are. And Paul said, he said, For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription... To the unknown God, therefore the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And you want to, that, that is absolutely phenomenal. Paul says, hey, you know, I was in a hotel and looked out the window, saw like, gosh, you got 30,000 temples and statutes here. And Paul says, you know, I, I saw one, it was kind of about center and it's pretty big and pretty beautiful. And, you know, because they had a temple for the birds, the bees, the flowers, the trees. They had a temple for every single god you could probably think of. And he says, I saw all the gods and all the, all the temples and stuff. And then he said, and I saw one that was inscribed on the temple to the un unknown god. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got that covered just in case we miss the god. We want to make sure that we didn't leave him out. Because, you know, if he kind of shows up and we don't have a temple for him, well, something bad might happen. So we erected a temple to the unknown God. Paul says, yeah, yeah, I know. And that's the one I want to tell you about. <laughs> I just love that. He says, yeah, the, the, the one you don't know. That's the one I want to tell you about. Now, look, I want to pick apart this sermon so bad, but I don't have time with it. Look at this here. This is a great sermon. And, and, and we'll just read it through, and then I'm going to point out some high things, and then we'll, we'll be done with it. But it's a wonderful, wonderful sermon for you guys to go back and read on your own time. But Paul says, look, it's him that I proclaim to you in verse 23. Verse 24, here's how he begins his sermon. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Amen. 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 It dwells in us, though. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though... He needed anything 
since he gives all to since he gives to all life breath and all things he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the lord in the hopes that they might grope for him and find him though he's not far from each one of us for in verse 28 saints you got to read it with me memory verse read it with me for in him we live and move and we have our being. Hmm. Amen. As also some of your own poets have said this. For we are also his offspring. We'll talk about that in a second. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Something shaped by art and man's devisings. Truly, these things or these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now God suggests. Is that what it says? No, it says, but now God what? Commands all men everywhere to do what? Repent. Because he has appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. The resurrection is the proof. And when they heard of the resurrection, they were not happy campers. Some of them, they did what? They mocked. And while others said, we'll hear you again later, some other time. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and they believed. Among them was Dionysius, the Areopagite. He was obviously a ruler, a mover, a shaker up there on Mars Hill, the Areopagite. And a woman named Demarius and others with them. Now, before you shut your Bible, I do love this sermon. One thing I love about this sermon, that because it's not a canned sermon. Amen. Amen. It's a sermon that's masterfully done. And why I say it's masterfully done? Because Paul begins to preach the gospel. But before he preaches the gospel, Paul shows them that, that I love you, that I care for you. And he's being relevant in his sermon as he begins. That's important. Guys, start where people are. Paul says, you see all those temples, the unknown God? That's who I want to tell you about. That's masterful. He starts exactly where they are to take them to where he wants them, what he wants them to see. So it's not canned. It's not like, you know, the four spiritual laws. He doesn't go up and preach to them the same way he goes into other cities and preaches to other people. Why? Because it's a different environment. Paul uses the environment that he has. He begins to preach the gospel. And I love this when Paul says, I perceive that you guys are very religious. I want to tell you about the God that you do not know. Now, there's four things I want to point out to you about God that Paul points out here. Number one in verse 24, saints, look at it again. He is the creator. Amen. God is the creator. Everything you see is by the handiwork of God. God is the creator. Nothing happens by random chance. No evolution, no random chance. Amen, saints? Amen. You know, there's a professor, I want to read you, a professor at Cambridge University, and he said this. He said, uh, quote, the chance that higher life forms might have emerged as a result of random chance 
is comparable that a tornado might sweep through a junkyard and assemble a Boeing 747. (laughs) It ain't gonna happen, y'all. No random chance. We are talking about the creator. God created everything. He's the one that said light be and light was. Not only that, but notice in verse 25 in your Bible, he is self-sufficient. You see that? As though he needed anything. God is self-sufficient. Do you know that God, give me your attention, God has no needs. Amen. Thank you, sister. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Y'all were asleep. God has no needs. Amen. Well, you know, we're going to go off the air unless you guys give money. God is broke. Did you know that God wasn't broke? God, the Bible says, is the sustainer of life. God needs nothing. He has everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God needs needs nothing from us. We need everything from him. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. We need from him. He doesn't need anything from us. He's not broke. And it just bothers me. People act as if God is broke. Well, we ain't got no money. We're going to have to go off the air unless y'all send your seed faith money. I'm like, look, go off the air then. You know, with God, God's, he provides. Conversely, where God ain't guiding, he ain't providing. God's not broke. He is self-sufficient. He needs nothing from man. Number three, he is also intelligent. Look at verse 26 and 27. Listen, if God is a creator and self-sufficient, then he can put the earth where he wants it and he can put people where he wants them. And he put in every man a desire to instinctively long for God that they should seek the Lord, Paul says, and grope for him. Perhaps they might find him, although he's not far from us. God is intelligent. And not only is he intelligent, And self-sufficient in the creator. But he's also in verse 28. He's a sustainer. As we said. For in him we live. We move. And we have our being. God is a God who sustains life. And then notice in verse 28. Paul says we are also his offspring. Now saints listen close. Paul isn't talking about. The universal brotherhood of man. And the universal fatherhood of God. Contrary to popular opinion, listen to me close. We are not all children of God. We are all God's creation. But in order for you to be a child of God, you listen to me closely. In order for you to be a child of God, you have got to become a son or a daughter of God. And how do you become a son or a daughter of God? John chapter 1 tells us, For as many as received him gave he the power to become the sons of God. See, in order for you to become a son of God, you've got to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. This, my friend, is what makes you a child of God. 
Are we all God's creation? Absolutely. Remember, he created everything, including you. But now if you want to become a son or you want to become a daughter in order to become a child of God, you must come God's way. And that's to receive God's son. Amen, saints. So Paul says, therefore, because we are his offspring, we shouldn't look at God as if he created man, as if he's created by man's hands with silver or gold. Notice Paul says God has overlooked ignorance, but now he commands everyone to repent. That means to have a change of mind. That means stop your car from going in one direction, turn around and go the other. Change your mind, change your heart and change your lifestyle. Repent. Doesn't say rationalize. He says repent. And then you want to notice the three responses as I close. Three responses to the preaching of the gospel. Number one, rejection in verse 32. When they heard it, some mocked. You see that? Rejection. And then secondly, reflection. Reflection. Some said, we'll hear of this later, again in verse 32. And then finally, reception. Reception. Some believed, we just read it in verse 34, among whom were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and this woman, her name is Demarius, in verse 34. I'm so glad that Paul did not feel that Christianity and religion is a personal thing. I'm so glad that Paul that day looked out among the idols and he didn't just say, oh, that's a shame. He went down to the Agora, to the marketplace, and he began to share the gospel with people who needed to hear it. You know, I remember when I got saved, part of the seed planting in my life when I got saved actually began at an Agora. A marketplace. It was the PX on Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton, 1982, January 23rd. I'll never forget several days before that, I used to go to the PX and Navy Station on Marine Corps Base, go Navy. <laughs> and I used to go to this, the PX every day for something everybody did. And there was this guy. His name was Thomas. I can't really remember his first name, last name. And Thomas was standing there every day sharing the gospel with people at this PX, a marketplace where you go get, you know, stuff. And and I would see him talking about the Lord and to people, and I would always stand in the background. And I'd just listen, you know. And I wasn't a Christian. I'd just be listening to him. And then one day, he finally turned his attention toward me. He was like, hey, 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 do you, do you know the Lord? You a Christian? Are you a Christian? And I said, well, you know, no, but, you know, I'm getting it together. I'm a good person. You know what I mean? I never hurt old ladies. And, you know what I mean? I helped them across the street and I gave money to Jerry's kids. And, you know, I went over down my list of do good. And, and, and he said, hey, well, why don't you come and go to church with me? And this was with the Church of God in Christ. They were having revival that year, uh, that, that week. And uh, he's like, go to church with me. And this was probably like a Monday or Tuesday. I said, okay, I'll go to church with you, no problem. And uh, where is the church, by the way? And he gave me the address to the church, and I didn't go to, the, I didn't go to church that night. I actually didn't have no intentions on going to church, but I was just telling him that so he can get off my back. <laughs> I saw him there the next day and the next day, and I was avoiding him. And finally, I get to a Saturday. i never forget. It was a Saturday. 
And I thought, I'm going to go to PX because surely he ain't going to be there on Saturday. <laughs> I got there on Saturday, and guess what? You guessed it. He was right there. Hey, 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 where you been, man? You said you were coming to church all week and you didn't show up. Where you been? Well, I had stuff to do. I don't know what you me. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. He says, we're going to have the night. Last night of the revival is tonight. He says, so, um, you know, won't you come and go with me? And I gave him the whole line, sure. I'd love to. Where is it again? You know, he goes, look, don't even worry about it. I'm just going to hang out with you all day. I said, uh, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. So I'm like, look, man, I'm telling you, I know that I didn't keep my, but I really, 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 I'm really, really going to go tonight. He says, well, no, I'm really going to hang out with you all day. This guy stayed with me the entire day. Needless to say, it was an interesting day. And that was the day we finally went to church. It was that night, like 7.30, January 23rd, 1982, that I gave my life to Christ. It was that evening. All because, listen, some one man was willing to go to the Agora. Amen. Amen. We don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that God was going to change my life spiritually and physically. Um emotionally, psychologically, that day my whole life changed. I met my wife that night as well. She was singing in a group. And I thought, she's hot. And then, well, <laughs> shouldn't be saying that, huh? And uh, edit! <laughs> and, uh, and my whole life changed, all because, you know, somebody was at the marketplace and, and I guess the word for the day, uh, for Mother's Day, is take Jesus to the markets. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.